Well, four men were in the hospital waiting room because their wives were having babies. Those were the good old days. Now, maybe not, though. I just remember that with each one of my children being born, I was more and more involved with each one for some reason. I mean, physically involved. And at one point, I looked at the nurse. I said, isn't that your job? What am I doing? Why, why? I'm just here for moral support, I thought. But apparently I wasn't. But back in the day, that's what happened. Men would be in the hospital waiting room. And then they would come out, and they would be told, hey, it's a new boy, it's a new girl, this and that. Well, four men were in the waiting room years ago, and a, and a nurse walks in. The first guy was sitting there and says, congratulations, you're the father of twins. And he thought, oh, my gosh, wow. And he collected himself for a minute and, and thought about it. And he, th and he thought, it's so interesting because I work for the Major League Baseball team, the Minnesota Twins. It's not interesting. Well, hours or so went by, and Nurse came out again to the second guy. He said, congratulations, you're the father of triplets. And he said, oh, wow, triplets, that's, that's incredible. That's weird. I, you know, I work for the 3M company. So odd. Well, about an hour later, she came out again, and the third man was sitting there, and the other two were all happy. And came to the third father, and she said, congratulations, you're the father of quadruplets. And he says, that's incredible. I, I work for the Four Seasons Hotel. Well, she looked over to the last man who hadn't had the news yet, and he was over there kind of groaning and banging his head against the wall. I said, what's wrong with you? He said, I work for the 7-Eleven. <laughs> I liked it too. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers that are here today. Uh, today's a day where we honor those fathers. We honor those, those father figures we have in our lives. We all have fathers, or we wouldn't be here. Even if we didn't know them, we have fathers. And we all have father figures who portray to us how a man should be for better or for worse. And I don't think men often think, maybe, as much as they should, about the tremendous influence they have in their children's lives, as well as all young people, as modeling what a man should be, and not just what a man should be, but biblical manhood. And we can talk about how a man should be, we could talk about all the qualities, but one that's not often mentioned is that a man, or really any person today, but since it's Father's Day, we're talking about men, but any person should be wise. A man should yearn, to, should strive for wisdom. Today we're going to look at a man that was considered to be the wisest man in the Bible, King Solomon. We're going to see how he exercised his wisdom and as well a few of his failures. Today we're in 2 Chronicles Chapter 8, starting in verse 1. At the end of 20 years in which Solomon had built the house of the Lord and his own house, Solomon rebuilt the cities that Hiram had given to him and settled to the people of Israel in them. And Solomon went to Hamath Zobah and took it. He built Tadmor in the wilderness and all the store cities that he built in Hamath. 
He also built Upper Beth Huron and Lower Beth Huron, fortified cities with walls, gates, and bars, and Baalath and all the store cities that Solomon had, and all the cities for his chariots and the cities for his horsemen, and whatever Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem and Lebanon and in all the land of his dominion. All the people who were left of the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites who were not of Israel, from their descendants who were left after them in the land whom the people of Israel had not destroyed, these Solomon drafted as forced labor, and so they are to this day. But of the people of Israel, Solomon made no slaves for his work. They were soldiers and his officers, the commanders of his chariots and his horsemen. And these were the chief officers of King Solomon, 250 who exercised authority over the people. Verse 11. Solomon brought Pharaoh's daughter up from the city of David to the house that he had built for her. For he said, My wife shall not live in the house of David, king of Israel, for the places to which the ark of the Lord has come are holy. Then Solomon offered up burnt offerings to the Lord on the altar of the Lord that he had built before the vestibule, as the duty of each day required, offering according to the commandment of Moses for the Sabbaths, the new moons, and the three annual feasts, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Booths. According to the ruling of David, his father, he appointed the divisions of the priests for their service and the Levites for their offices of praise and ministry before the priests as the duty of each day required. And the gatekeepers in their divisions at each gate, for so David the man of God had commanded. And they did not turn aside from what the king had commanded, the priests and Levites, concerning any matter and concerning the treasuries. Thus was accomplished all the work of Solomon from the day the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid until it was finished. So the house of the Lord was completed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. As we look at this passage this morning, Lord, I pray that you would show us through Solomon's life uh, what wisdom looks like, how we are to exercise wisdom, and show us a little bit about his failures and, and the warnings we need to know and to heed as we go about living a life that you've called us to live through the power of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you today, and, and I pray that my words reflect your heart today, uh, that you fill me with your spirit in preaching, and that those in here today that are here receive your word in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name. Amen. As we read through the passage, the one thing we see Solomon doing is building. He's building. And not just physical structures, but other types of structures he builds. And a wise man builds. And I want to show you four things a wise man should be building throughout his life. Four things a wise man should, build, should be building. Number one, a wise man builds places. Places. And again, I'm not just talking about physical labor, physical building. We'll get to it. But a wise man builds places. Okay. It says in verse 1, at the end of 20 years, Solomon had built the house of the Lord and his own house. And he rebuilt cities as well and settled people in them. If King David was a warrior king, 
a conqueror king. Solomon was a building king. He was a builder. Now, David was said to be a man after God's own heart. So even though he didn't build much, he was still a man of God. But Solomon was considered the wisest man to have ever lived. And one of the things that made him wise was that he was a builder. Physically, literally, it took him seven years to build the temple. It took him 13 years to build his palace, but he completed the projects. And after these incredible projects were completed, he kept building. Verse 3 talks about going into the wilderness and building up in these towns and all these towns in th- uh, through verse 4, 5, and 6. And so when the land is stable and secure, what do you do? Well, you make it more stable. You make it more secure. There was no war So he was wise to make things secure. A good time to build security, fortifications, is when there is a time of peace. I remember uh, for most of my childhood, America was not in war. For Vietnam, there was a war, maybe a skirmish or two in the the early 80s. We really had no war, maybe a little bit in the 90s until the early 2000s. And the the strides our military made in 20 years was unbelievable because they're they weren't in war. They were researching and building and developing, and that's what he was doing. He was, he was building fortifications at a time of peace. And he didn't rest on his expansion. He kept building. He kept improving. He built towns out in the wilderness. Why do you need a town out in the wilderness? Well, people want to live there. That's why. He ramped up defenses. And it even tells us that he multiplied his horses and chariots, but Deuteronomy 17, 16 tells us he shouldn't have done that so he actually went and did things that the bible commanded him not to do which is something for us to consider when we're when sometimes we need to make sure in our zeal to build that we don't do something god has told us not to do that we don't sin in some way working too much is sin so we need to make sure our priorities fall in line as we build or else we will crash and we will burn. But generally speaking, wise people build and improve no matter your sphere of life. Wise people look for opportunities to build upon what they have already established. My wife, it was, I guess still is, a Girl Scout. And she didn't like talking about it, but she got the highest award you can get as a Girl Scout, one of the things they taught her that she tried to impress upon our families, when you come to a place, you leave it a little bit better than where you found it. And that's what they teach them. And that's what I'm talking about. Wise people build places. They leave them better than they found them. This is how success in anything happens. You, you build. School teachers right now are, are uh, enjoying their summer break. They're going to rest this summer. But they're going to come back and they're going to physically build their classrooms again. And I guarantee you they're going to make them better. They're going to design them differently maybe. They're going to build on their experience. Businessmen and women, they're going to keep building their product. They're going to keep building their business. Don't become a workaholic, but continue to make it better. And as church members in this church, our church, we are to continue building our church, which is building the kingdom of God. We don't build necessarily our preferences. We build for the betterment of all of God's people. Whatever organization you find yourself in, you keep looking for a way 
to make those organizations better. Because a wise man builds up the organizations he inhabits. He doesn't tear them down. He doesn't make selfish decisions. He builds them up. You know, the blessing it is to pastor First Baptist, I make a lot of decisions every day, some small, some medium, some large, and because of the size and scope of the church, I'm doing much more than praying and preaching and shepherding. I'm having to manage staff, as many of you know, make decisions. I also get counsel and advice from others, but I know that God holds me responsible. So I have many preferences. Did you know that? <laughs> but most decisions are not made with my preferences. Ultimately, I'm called to make decisions that benefit the entire church. And you can't make everyone happy. But if you lead and build in order to make everyone happy, then what's going to happen is you'll eventually resent the people you're supposed to be building and loving. But you can move things along for the betterment of the church and the organization. It should be like that in any organization you are a part of. You build for the benefit of that organization. We're in the middle of baseball playoffs now. We have some local teams that are winning going to the state. We got college baseball on TV right now. And, and one thing that you realize by watching baseball in, in the playoffs is it takes talent to win, but the most talented teams don't always win. You can have a team in name only. It could just be a collection of individuals. But a real team plays for the betterment of the team. That's the teams that win. Team first. They build a team. Build the places you inhabit. That's what a wise man does. Secondly, a wise man builds people. A wise man builds people. Verse 7 says that all the people who were left of the Hittites and the Amorites and all these people groups who were not of Israel, verse 8, from their descendants who were left after them in the land whom the people of Israel had not destroyed, these Solomon drafted as forced labor, and so they are to this day. But of the people of Israel, Solomon made no slaves for his work. He made them soldiers and officers and all these high-ranking officials. Now... What we read through here as we look at this is Solomon enslaved the foreigners. Now, you might not think that's building people. It's certainly not empowering them. Because God's instructions for conquering the native peoples of the land was to destroy them completely. But Israel never quite did that. They'd always leave some stragglers. Didn't quite obey God's law on that. And Solomon viewed these people as a resource which is a shrewd business move, but it's not necessarily good for the people. So he gathered their descendants, he put them uh, to work. But when it came to the people of Israel, he did not make them slaves. He empowered them as God's people, and he built them up, and he gave them all these high-ranking jobs. Now, this text is not saying that we should treat unbelievers as slaves and give grace to God's people. That's not what it's saying. We know that Solomon was wrong to do what he did. 
He looked at it as purely as a business transaction. But we would do well to see how Solomon treated God's people. He blessed them. He empowered them. That's what wise men do. They empower people. They, they build people up. Most leadership books will all teach the same ways to build people up, to encourage people in your life. It's all pretty much the same principles. Whether you're interacting with your children, with your spouse, with your coworkers, almost all books will tell you the same things. You, you, what do you do? Well, you, you offer sincere compliments. Hey, you did great. That was great. Good job. I'm proud of you. Right? You, you ask questions about their lives. You show interest in them. Not fake, but real interest. And you listen to them. When they talk, people can tell when they're talking to you if you're not listening. They can tell if you're just ready for them to stop talking so you can talk. That's how we build people up. We listen. We notice when they do good things and we tell them. We be polite and uplifting in our criticism. One of the hardest things about, I think, parenting, especially for me, a perfectionist, is when my children don't do right, it's much easier for me to call them and tell them and instruct them about what they did wrong without then telling them, hey, here's what you did right. Here's what you did good. Here's what you can keep doing. Building people up, we're looking at the positive. Yes, if there's a problem, we can talk about it. But that's what wise people do. They, they build people. They build people. It's wise for many reasons. First of all, if someone's in your life who's constantly building you up, you are going to want to be around them. Amen? <laughs> I mean, it's a good way to get friends, build people up. But those people who are constantly criticizing, constantly tearing down, constantly finding fault, first of all, that's not of God. Those are people you don't really want to hang around with. Those are people that you turn around on the aisle of Piggly Wiggly and you turn around and go the other way. Because you know you're going to hear something. Right? It's not wise to tear people down. It's wise to build people up. But it's wise because ultimately that comes from a heart changed by the Lord. Changed by Jesus. A wise man builds up people. He builds up people the same way Jesus builds up people if there's ever someone to find fault in someone it would be jesus finding fault in our lives amen bible says he didn't come to the world to condemn us we're condemned already he came to save us and he died for us and he builds us up through his grace daily daily building us up through his grace daily can you imagine if every morning jesus was by your bed showing you where you failed the day before all right, let's see where you're going to improve today. Can you imagine? He doesn't. He gives us grace daily. So we should be like Jesus and build others up. Wise men build up people. Third, a wise man builds his family. A wise man builds his family. And it doesn't matter how young or old you are or what position you are in the family. You can build it. You know, my four-year-old is the youngest in our family. 
He builds our family. He does. He holds his siblings accountable for things. <laughs> he, he, he does his job in building things and making sure the family is doing what it should be. He should have been the, he should have been the firstborn, not the fourth, but that's what he is. Look at verse 11. Solomon brought Pharaoh's daughter up from the city of David to the house that he had built for her. For he said, My wife shall not live in the house of David, king of Israel, for the places to which the ark for the Lord have come are holy. Now, if you didn't know much about Israel's history or this passage, at first glance you might think, Well, that's so sweet. Solomon built his wife her own house. Isn't that great? He's providing for his family. But that's really not what's happening here. Because his wife was an Egyptian, which meant that if she lived in the places where Solomon was going to be living, based on her religious beliefs, she would make the temple grounds unclean. So he couldn't have her with him. He had to give her a place where she could live and not bring the curse of God upon Israel. But you know, Solomon could have avoided this altogether if he had not married her to begin with. What did you say, Pastor? That's what I said. I want to show you what I mean by that. Look at 1 Kings chapter 11. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women. Does that sound like the wisest man in the world? It doesn't. Along with the daughter of Pharaoh, there she is, He loved Moabite, Ammonite, Edomites, Sidonian, Hittite women. He was not prejudiced. From the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, You shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. So Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses. That's why they were wives. And 300 concubines. Those were the ones that weren't of royal, royal birth. And his wives turned away his heart. First lesson is probably not wise to have a thousand wives for many reasons. But the wisest man who ever lived repeatedly broke God's law and made 999 bad decisions. Yet, God still used him. Amen. (laughs) He still blessed him. Now the consequences were that they turned his heart from the Lord. I'm not trying to joke around here when I say this. How, How you honor 700 women. How do you make them happy? They all have different gods, religions, Clearly, your heart is going to be turned away. And so his sins had consequences, but God still gave him grace. Solomon built up a large family, not the way the Lord would have him do it. So when it comes to building up your family, men especially, Solomon is not someone we look to for inspiration. It goes without saying. But he's someone we look to for warning. Now, it's illegal to marry more than one woman at a time in our country, praise the Lord. <laughs> Maybe that's why this passage is why that law exists. But there are still a myriad of ways we can tear down our families and not build them up. 
Men especially, you've been given plenty of instruction on how to build up your family. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her. That's the thing about leadership in general that is so hard to watch with any leaders. A true leader is willing to die for the cause for the family, for the wife. Leader isn't about themselves. That's what he says. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish in the same way that Jesus sacrificed himself. Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, He who loves his wife loves himself. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Don't be someone who's going to get your child upset. They may get upset over anything, but don't provoke Instead, discipline and instruct. You want to know what's wrong with Generation Z? Is that what generation they're in right now? There's no discipline in the houses. There's definitely not any instruction outside of an iPad or an iPhone. Discipline and instruct. These relationships take patience. These relationships take understanding. Amen? The husband-wife relationship takes patience. The parent relationship takes patience and understanding, and they take diligence. The same way Jesus was and is patient and long-suffering with us, we are to be the same with those in our families. Amen? Well, marriage is hard. Yeah, it is. Well, parenting is hard. Yeah, it is. Guess what? Jesus' relationship with us, what he did for us, was hard. The cross was almost impossible. But Jesus did it. So we are called to build up our families. Patience, understanding, diligence. A wise man builds his family. And number four, it's Father's Day, so I gave you an extra. A wise man builds his faith. A wise man builds his faith. The most important thing you can do is continue building your faith. Of all of Solomon's faults and successes, he always made time to worship the Lord. Verse 12 says, after he did these things, Solomon offered up burnt offerings to the Lord on the altar of the Lord that he built before the vestibule. That's what worship was. That's how they worshiped. They offered up offerings. That was worship. And he did everything that the duties required. And then it says in verse 15, and they did not turn aside from what the king had commanded them to do. He had all the worship laid out the way it should be. And verse 16 says, thus was accomplished all the work of Solomon from the day the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid until it was finished so the house of the Lord was completed. 
What did he do? He, he offered sacrifices. He observed his father's commands. King David, he still practiced his faith. He built up his faith. Despite his struggles, there's, there's no evidence that Solomon completely fell away from the Lord. Yes, his wives turned his hearts, but we see through his life, especially his writings and Ecclesiastes, we see a man who continued to learn from his mistakes and continued to grow in wisdom. No matter your age, you can always continue to grow, continue to learn. It's not over until God calls you home. He was far from perfect, as we know. Like most believers, Solomon had high times of spiritual victory. And there's some times where I'll sit down and I'll think to myself, you know what? I got this marriage thing figured out. <laughs> I, got this, I got this parenting thing figured out. And I feel like a success. And then there's times, low times of spiritual failure. Where I think, why in the world did my wife ever marry me? Why in the world did God give me four children? I can't do this. We have times of spiritual victory and times of spiritual failure, but it all seems evident in the Bible that Solomon knew the Lord. He worshiped him. He continued building his faith. And the most important thing you can do in building your spiritual life and building your faith is to be consistent. To be consistent every day, every day. You'll sin, repent. You'll experience God's blessings, rejoice. You know, the highest percentage of church dropouts, what's the highest percentage? They uh, happen after they have attended just six months. They'll come somewhere, people will come to church for six months or so. They, they get what they need to, to, to meet their spiritual need, and then they, they move on. That's not the best way to build your spiritual life. Be consistent. Don't do that. Stick it out. That's why one reason why I love this service so much. So many of you have been here much longer than six months. Amen. <laughs> Some of you have been here for years and decades. I know you're not perfect. You know I'm not perfect. But it tells me, it tells others, that you're making it important to build your spiritual life, to build your faith. You may not be here every week, but you're here most weeks. And that's wisdom. Getting up, you don't feel like it. Coming to an 8.30 service, maybe some of you are already up for three hours, I don't know. Some of you aren't, got to get up earlier. I didn't want to get up this, this morning on Father's Day, did you know that? God's called me, so I'm here. Get up. We stick it out. We keep coming to the Lord's house. We come to the Lord's house when it's good, amen? And we come when it's bad, amen? Whatever that looks like in your life. Keep growing in your faith. Keep building your faith. That is the wise way of life. And even, even if you work at the 7-Eleven and God's giving you something that you don't know you can handle, a wise person builds his faith.
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you so much for giving us Jesus. We all come in here today, this Father's Day, with different places in our lives, different mental states. We come in here to worship, to hear from you. And Lord, we thank you that we can hear from you each and every week. Lord, with the exception of a thousand-year pandemic, uh, we're never closed. We're open every Sunday to worship you, Lord. To give a time of our lives to you for what you've done for us. Because we love you, we want to be here. Lord, I know there are some that want to be here that can't. And those that are watching us right now, so I, I pray right now for those that are watching us on TV, online, wherever it is, that you would bless them today, Lord. And they're physically unable to be here, but would love to. And for those of us that are physically able to be here, Lord, I'm glad we're here today. Lord, we... we we thank you for what you've given us in Christ Jesus. Lord, if there's one here today that's never placed their faith in you, that you would save them today, that they would look to you for salvation. Lord, as we leave here this Father's Day, that we would be builders of places, we'd be builders of people, we'd be builders of families, and we'd be builders of our faith. Father, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name.